Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Mike Clarkson, and I co-chair Ogletree's Drug Testing Practice Group. About three or four or more times a week, we have the same, a version of the same counseling call about the impact of marijuana on the workplace. So I thought it'd be helpful to do sort of to, to, to uh, for you all in this podcast to tell you what this call is uh, so that to help you navigate it. And it's really this marijuana conundrum. Okay, the impact of marijuana in the workplace. And the way I want you to think of this is a a meeting at the C-suite. And these are the competing interests in this question. All of these interests are legitimate, but they are, as you will hear, they're very competing, right? So picture an HR person. And what we've learned through the recent Ogletree survey is that the number one concern is out of that function is staffing you know, recruitment and retention, okay? So that person is approaching this, uh, this marijuana conundrum meeting and saying, hey, I can't lose one more qualified candidate to a marijuana drug screen, right? We're having a hard time staffing the third shift. We need people on this job and we cannot lose any more candidates, right? So that's, that's his or her take in this. You've got legal in the room, and they've got compliance concerns, right? As you probably know, marijuana in the workplace is a state-by-state and even sometimes municipality-by-municipality question. And so legal is saying, wait, well, wait a second, right? We've got to be compliant. We've got, in this state, we have job protections for medical marijuana. In that state, we have job protections for recreational marijuana. In the third state, we have neither, and we can be very strict and refuse to employ somebody who fails a marijuana screen. So the legal's voice says, wait, wait, we got to be careful with compliance. Safety pipes up and says, hold on a second here, right? We say safety first, that has to mean something. And we are not going to have, you know, people who are using marijuana in this safety-sensitive job uh, workplace. And in the last conundrum, if we really want to make it complicated, the libertarian CEO uh, speaks up and says, I don't care what you do on the weekends, right? I just want you to show up sober. And, you know, it's legal here. You went to Colorado for a wedding. You, you use it medically. I don't care. Okay. So each of these competing interests are at the table and each of their voices are important and to be heard. And so what are members of the drug testing practice group advising in this, right? And what is some benchmarking that might help you? Well, if there's sort of one common theme is that Ogletree clients tend to be steering away from pre-employment and random testing with this conundrum. Now, is pre-employment and random testing for marijuana lawful? Yes, in many states it is. But you do run the risk of being a test case, of getting sued on a medical marijuana accommodation theory, a disability accommodation theory, a lawful off-duty conduct theory. So a lot of our clients have looked at this uh, this playing field and said, we're going to scrap or greatly de-emphasize pre-employment and random drug screening. But if they're going to do that, seriously consider ramping up your reasonable suspicion drug testing protocol and your post-accident drug testing protocol. Know that these statutes that provide job protections 
for medical marijuana usage and now ever more common recreational marijuana usage. Do not allow any job protections for intoxication on the workplace. And so a reasonable suspicion drug testing protocol still has, in most jurisdictions, a, a place at the table. In fact, a supervisor who spots signs of intoxication, you may not even need a drug test at all. I think an untrained supervisor is very hesitant to take someone to the lab. They don't feel enabled. They don't, they don't feel empowered to make that tough decision. So this training is really worth it. But of course, if, if and remember the safety voice at this, uh, this uh, four chairs at the table, you also have a post-accident. Uh, or post-incident drug testing protocol. That is really an important um, factor here. And I'll add this too, which is that there are some new technologies out there which may be really important uh, in this situation. There's a marijuana breathalyzer that has come out which has a very short window of detection. Um, if you think of windows of detection of you know, short, medium, and long, you've got the shortest of this new marijuana breathalyzer, you've got a medium uh, term in oral fluid, and then slightly longer look at urine, and then the longest look back period of hair testing. Um, and so some of these new technologies may have a place in your organization too to try to find the right um, drug testing protocol that bridges the gap between not overly frustrating your ability to staff uh, your facility, to not um, you know, overly compromise on safety, to not run into a compliance uh, problem where you are not um, adequately accommodating medical or now even recreational marijuana, and to probably satisfy your libertarian CEO who says, I don't care what you do on the weekends. They may very much care what you did three to four hours before you start the shift with a breathalyzer. I'll say this too, which is um, a very big uh, employer in the United States was recently hit very hard in Arizona on a, a, a medical marijuana accommodation theory. And that plaintiff's lawyer who successfully sued this large employer was on a panel and he said to the attendees there that he would not have sued that employer had they used oral fluid. That employer used urine with its longer look back than oral fluid. So I think you really want to be mindful about the drug testing modality that you use with all of these competing interests. So uh, here in a short podcast, I hope I gave you a sense of what is probably the most common question that comes into the drug testing practice group and to, uh, to my advice and counsel practice. And I hope I gave you some things to think about. Um, if it is useful for you, I mean, we can and do present all of these competing interests to the various stakeholders so that they can make a knowledgeable decision. There oftentimes really is no precise right answer. It has to fit for you. You may have an extremely safety-sensitive workplace. Um, you may have a highly regulated workplace or the opposite. You may have one where safety, you know, is not at issue. Uh, you may be in a state that does or does not provide job protections for medical or recreational marijuana. So, you know, there is no, of course, one size fits all, but I hope that this uh, short discussion of the things at stake is useful to you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. 
please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.